Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. The month of April brings a renewal of life with spring and the awakening from the cold winter. Traditionally, it's a very special season for religious celebrations as well. Passover begins April 5th to April 13th. Easter is April 9th. Vaisakhi, the ancient festival that celebrates the solar new year and springtime harvest, is at the end of April. And the end of Ramadan fast is on April 22nd. These religions have many differences in beliefs and theology. However, an interesting fact is that they all have very similar beliefs that organ donation is an act of charity and a blessing for your fellow man. Hi, you're listening to episode 121 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. We are thrilled to have as our guest on this episode, Robert Nosencheck, the senior rabbi from Fairmont Temple. Rabbi, thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to be with you. Rabbi, as I mentioned, spring is a time for tradition and holy rituals. Can you share a little bit about the meaning of Passover? Yes, absolutely. Passover is likely the most universally observed Jewish holiday. It draws people together on what I'd call the master story of the Torah, of the scriptural tradition in Judaism, that the Israelites were being oppressed and that they were redeemed. They were brought out of those narrow passages, those places, uh, uh, and brought out uh, towards the promised land. So it's an incredibly moving story, well-recognized. But one of the reasons it's so well-observed is that people observe it in their homes. People gather around, and every family has their own Passover traditions for how to tell that story as an instrument of meaning for the holiday. And I think that is the center for most religious holidays, is celebrating together as a family, being together. And whatever your belief is, you are together in that and celebrating that. Yes. At a synagogue, we provide lots of resources. We recently led a workshop at Fairmount Temple to help people learn about different Passover traditions to incorporate around different cultures around the world. And we recommend different ways for people to engage with others in the community. But the unique thing is that people are observing this in their home and making special meaning by drawing together and uh, identifying that on their own as, as a family unit. As we come together to celebrate these rituals and together as a family, it's one of those things where you look around the table and you realize maybe next year, not everybody will be there. Sadly, that is so true for so many families. And that's something that we all have to face, I believe. And I think these rituals and these family gatherings are a wonderful opportunity to talk about end-of-life wishes. Now, I don't want to sound morbid because this is a celebration, a celebratory feast, but it is a really good time to sit with family 
and share things about your desire for end of life. Yes, I agree. Actually, growing up at my grandparents' home where we would have our Passover Seder, the Seder is the term for the the ritual meal where we tell the story. It was common when we would uh, be looking in our uh, Seder book, which is called a Haggadah, that you would see next to the reading you were assigned this year, the name of someone who was assigned it last year or six years ago, and maybe my grandfather's pencil mark scratching it out or an eraser mark. And I know that sounds odd, but it really illustrates what you're talking about, that you gather together and you remember the sound of people around the table reflecting on the very serious themes that Passover represents. And yes, it's a good opportunity, not morbid at all, actually, to talk about constructive ways we can support one another, be part of each other's lives, and uh, extend that sense of belonging even through end-of-life decisions around organ donation. Absolutely, and final wishes, which are so important, so important. Yes, if people don't discuss these things or if they sequester them to conversations they might have when on medication to calm themselves in an emergency room or uh, in a waiting room somewhere, uh, they, they become elevated to a level of tension rather than an opportunity to reflect on meaning. I know that sometimes across generations, people will have different approaches or different beliefs, but sometimes the very things that they say will stick with their loved ones and and animate the decisions that are made, the right decisions for each person. Absolutely. And of course, that brings us to organ donation. I believe there is a misconception about organ donation in the Jewish religion. There are several denominations, and I understand that. But overall, what is the feeling of organ donation? Well, across the denominational spectrum, really, there is consensus about the following idea. It is a 21-century-old idea from an ancient code of Jewish law called the Mishnah. And uh, it basically teaches us that saving a life, uh, what in Hebrew we call pikuach nefesh, it is considered, the Hebrew here is ke'ilu, as if uh, you have saved an entire, and again, the Hebrew is olam. To save a life, it is as though you saved an entire world. Uh, by the way, it's true as well. The same passage tells us if you destroy a life, it is as though you've destroyed a world. So the gravity is very real. And I think that how that uh, passage arrives into discussions around organ donation is inclusive of those who have concerns about the ramifications of organ donation. It is not without complication to be a living donor. That is to say, there are risks, but to take an undue risk, a risk that's likely to to take one's life, well, that might uh, offer some caution in Jewish tradition. Whereas the opportunity to give life or to make a pledge that if your uh, organs are recoverable and you are uh, you know, you're, you're eligible to, uh, to have a, someone receive uh, an organ or a tissue from your body, that, that yes, absolutely, it's permitted and it's uh, encouraged across the denominations. The, the technical holdback to all of that is that rabbinic sages uh, encouraged the following things. One is they wanted you really to be able to point to a life that could be saved, right? They wanted to be able to say, look, there's this life or these lives, which assuming we run these tests, 
one of them will be at least uh, an opportunity to be saved. Well, that's, that's paramount in Jewish tradition. Another piece, though, is respect for Jewish law and Jewish tradition. So Jewish law would, would ask us to consider carefully when we determine a life has no capacity to be recovered, right? So there might be some differences between people and how they interpret the law. And finally, respect for the way that a burial, in the case where it's a deceased donor, burial is not to be delayed unduly. Uh, having said that, uh, a day's delay is not, uh, does not push up against a paramount concern like saving a life. And my point is just to say you wouldn't, you wouldn't hold uh, someone's uh, uh, life from its termination uh, due to um, your desire for organ donation. That means a lot. I mean, and it explains a lot that the paramount of saving life is there and circumstances can be evaluated. Yes. Think of uh, so many people all around us whose loved ones are dealing with the regrettable issue of waiting for something potentially terrible to happen to someone in order for them to receive uh, the gift of life. Knowing that someone has considered it carefully deliberately, thoughtfully, we're consulting either their own spiritual or religious tradition or their humanistic impulses. That would have even more meaning, I would think, to you as a recipient. And in every community where I've served, here in Cleveland, where I've been a rabbi at Fairmont Temple for 13 years, in my previous communities in Northern Virginia and in Baltimore, I've had many congregants whose lives have been saved or enhanced many, many years due to the receiving of a kidney or a liver or cornea uh, transplants. Uh, and then we'd add to that the other kinds of gifts of life like platelets and uh, marrow. All of those conversations belong prominently among Jewish families to discuss so that if a situation were to arise, our family members would know how we feel. Absolutely. What a fabulous conversation so far. You're listening to Let's Talk About Life with me, Colleen Gerber, and we're going to continue the conversation and be right back. We are taking a break from our story for a moment to tell you about a thrilling opportunity. We invite you to take a stand for organ, eye, and tissue donation by going over the edge. That's right. Our High in the Sky event is happening again this year on Wednesday, May 24th at the Oswald Center on Superior Avenue. And in case you're wondering, yep, it will be part of the Walnut Wednesday series when food trucks take over Cleveland's Perk Plaza with food for every palate. So much fun and so much yum. If you're interested in having the adventure of a lifetime by rappelling down the side of a 283-foot building, all you need to do is go to lifebank.org and you can learn more right there on our homepage. It will be a fantastic day of friends, music, food, and of course, rappelling. We hope to see you there. Take a stand for Life Bank and you take a stand for life. Now back to our story. Rabbi, that brings me to my next question. Do you have a personal 
connection to donation or transplantation? I know you said you had a lot of congregants, but how about in your family? As far as I'm aware, there hasn't been anyone in my family who's received a, an organ uh, donation. Uh, having said that, I am sitting here with you today having a conversation because of life-saving cancer immunotherapy, which a decade ago didn't exist. And when I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, you know, at stage four, my recognition that I would be part of, you know, data and research that would assist others and that others before me had been willing to provide that, that certainly animates my deep and profound concern for people who have the opportunity to have their lives saved. If only we would have important conversations. Very often lives could be saved just by just by grandma, really, not just talking with one daughter, but talking with the daughter and the son in the same room uh, or, or on Zoom or wherever they may live so that they can hear from our own uh, thoughts. This is what I would like in the event that I can't make a decision for myself. And uh, sometimes uh, I find that my congregants are embedding within my own files uh, documents that will illustrate their wishes because they're concerned that their loved ones might have regrets and they want to know that the, the temple will have on file the wishes of, of them as a, a mother, grandmother, or something like that. Um, oh, excellent. Yeah, and uh, I, I do have a, a loved one in my family, a very dear niece of mine that is preparing to be a liver donor, has been vetted and is prepared to do so, and is just wow. awaiting the the call to uh, arrive to, to pursue that and to be a uh, part of recovering from it will be partially my responsibility as uh, she's a Clevelander. Wow. Living liver donation is amazing in itself. That's an amazing gift to offer somebody. Yes. And wow. the science, while I'm no expert, it is fascinating and it exciting is. to imagine that our bodies have the capacity to regenerate. My goodness. It does occur to me to mention, you asked about personal connections. My father never needed a kidney, but he only had one functioning kidney through his life. So it was possible at some point that he might have needed a kidney. And uh, if I was a match, I would have done so in a split second, as long as that was what he would yeah. want and wish. But he didn't, he didn't ever need one, but he could have very well been someone who needed one. The good news with kidneys is that someone can, can make a living kidney donation and still function quite well as my dad Absolutely, did. Absolutely. Yeah. Things. A lot of people go through their entire life never knowing they only had one kidney. It's, it's quite the organ. It really is. As well as the liver. The liver regenerating, that's miraculous in my mind. That's just totally miraculous. Yes. And even if, as I said earlier, the conversations about organs may give some, someone pause, but they do help someone uh, else to open up their heart about a different kind of a donation. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That gives, that gives her life and renewal. I have a, a young man in our community, our Jewish community, who I met around Hanukkah time this year, who's in elementary school and he's having some health issues. He's, he's in dialysis. His parents are having to, to figure out, could he get an organ donation or will he have a lifetime on dialysis and how will that life be impacted by it? He should be able to have the, the typical experiences that an elementary school student in Beechwood has. And everyone is endeavoring to do so. But the most important thing is we're trying to raise awareness about his need for a kidney. Because if he gets one, my goodness, 
the mitzvah, the sacred opportunity that will be, that someone will be fulfilling, no matter what background they have, it'll be a mitzvah to this young Jewish man. And uh, there's something about children in, in need. You know, we want to work extra hard and make sure that they can have an as close to normal life as possible. And transplant offers that versus being on dialysis. It's just by far the way to go. Yes. You know, whether you're a young child or not, but especially for our, our pediatric patients. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the things we can learn from them over the long term that will enhance other lives too. So it's, it's, it's terrifying to be his mom or dad, his aunt, uncle, his teachers. They want him to be able uh, to move forward and accelerate. He's a smart, industrious, playful child. And now he's, helping me spread word about him through having opportunities to speak to uh, news reporters and, and help illustrate how well his life could be impacted by yeah. someone's willingness to give of themselves. Well, we work hard to raise awareness for everyone on that waiting list. But uh, again, there's something special about a pediatric patient. And the good news is something can be done. And hopefully by the goodness of somebody's heart, there will be a living donor. If not, you know, we, we do have pediatric organ donors, sadly, and yes. that would be an option as well. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and in our prayers and keep pushing for that. One thing I want to bring up is the name of your temple. It is Fairmont Temple, but there's a first part. And Hebrew, you want me to tell you? Yes. It's Anshe Chesed. Anshe Chesed has been the historic name of our temple. We are the oldest synagogue in Cleveland, Anshe Chesed, from the beginning, but we've lived on different streets over the years, right? So we are uh, often called Fairmount Temple because we're on Fairmount Boulevard, but Anshe Chesed means people of loving kindness. An act of Chesed, of loving kindness, is, it is not always an easy act. It sounds easy when you think of it, oh, being kind, but think about all of the illustrations what hard work it is, the kindness offered in, uh, in willingness to give of one's uh, organ donations. That's, that's an incredible kindness, but it, it takes intention and hard work. Uh, and our synagogue is really known for its caring community, its involvement in multiple causes of advocacy, and as you mentioned, raising awareness about various issues where people are vulnerable. That's been uh, a critical value throughout our history whether it be uh, someone's right to an education or healthcare or their capacity and ability to vote. So I think that that's something that's very valuable to our, our synagogue members and to the wider community that we're, we're pledged in particular to that, that Jewish value of chesed. Well, when I saw that, I loved it immediately. And, you know, in my mind, I have kind of have a one track mind, but that's so relatable to organ donation. It's, it's that kind act for somebody you may or may not ever know. And saving a life, as you said, it's just, it's an honor. It really is an honor and privilege. Yes, people who are engaged in this. Someone in my congregation who received a double lung transplant this past summer, his whole outlook has been, has been shifted. He's been dealing with lung issues for a long time. And my goodness, the, the capacity to uh of, of another human being give him such such a boost such an opportunity as a parent of two young adults i'm 
I know how incredibly touched he is and just how involved he and his children and his spouse have been in the temple, uh, where, as you mentioned, chesed is such a, a critical value. Uh, the, the main illustration in Jewish tradition, though, around organ donation is that notion that an act of chesed, of compassion or kindness, that saves a life, it is considered as though you saved an entire world. And that is true for so many people touched by this. At least the attempt to save a life sure feels like the whole world is intervening and providing you a, a resource. And our temple is, uh, it has been an important place for that, and I want to continue to serve it. I'm very proud to serve a temple known being uh, involved in the work of Chesed. It's wonderful to hear, and I'm so happy you joined us today. Is there anything you want to add that I didn't ask? I would only say that sometimes the conversations that you and I discussed today that are challenging sometimes to bring up at a family function, that one could begin by having a conversation with their religious leader or with another civic leader in the community if you're not religiously inclined, uh, someone whom you trust and respect to help you uh, kind of sort through these misconceptions of various kinds, and, um, and as well with one's physician. As I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, being a cancer patient, I'm in regular contact with my physician, and they know well my wishes and desires, but they can also help me clear up concerns about, about could I do this or would I be eligible for that? And there's no reason not to raise those questions. It informs you and then perhaps helps you save a life somewhere down the line. And I feel in my heart that it makes things so much easier for the family. You know, with deceased donation, you're incapacitated, you can't speak. And what a blessing if your family knows exactly what your wishes are. You're, it's something that it's a gift that you're giving them as well. Rabbi, thank you for being here with us today. I appreciate you so much. And I'm so honored to be able to meet you and talk with you about organ donation and Passover. Thank you. Thanks for all this great work at LifeBank. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.